This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 27. In this episode, I will tell the story of Yanis Kouros, the greatest ultra runner in history. He is from Greece, and his running accomplishments were amazing. Yanis Kouros is considered by most as the greatest ultra runner ever. That is a bold statement, but there are a few that can dispute this statement. What Kuros accomplished, dominating for more than a 20-year period and setting world records that have lasted for decades, is nothing but mind-boggling. Every ultra-runner needs to know about Giannis Kuros. One of his competitors said, There's the world-class, the elite, then there's Giannis. Giannis Kuros was born on February 13, 1956 in Tripoli, Greece. His father was a carpenter, and the family lived in poverty. He could not afford to go to the movies, so he went to the stadium to run for fun. In high school, he began formal athletic training and started running races at the age of 16. At first, his coach dismissed Kuros as being a mediocre athlete who didn't have the build to go fast, but he progressed to be one of the top high school runners in Greece. Kuros didn't only have interest in running. At the age of 12, he began writing his own poetry and songs. In his high school years, he took music and singing lessons. Eventually, he published four albums. But his world greatness emerged in his running skills. In 1977, at the age of 21, Kuros ran his first marathon in 2 hours 43 minutes. His times continued to improve to 2.25 in 1981. Soon he discovered that he excelled far more at ultra distances. By 1983, at the age of 27, Kuros had finished 25 marathons. He read about a new race from Athens to Sparta called the Spartathon. The race traced the historic footsteps of Pheidippides, an Athenian messenger in 490 BC. This race of about 156 miles started at the Acropolis in Athens and ran through ancient towns including Corinth to Sparta. Kuros signed up, hoping to be the first Greek finisher. On the 30th of September 1983, a date close to the anniversary of that great feat almost 2,500 years before, athletes competing in the first open international Spartathlon, one woman and 44 men, set out from Athens in the footsteps of Philippides. No one really knew the abilities Kuros had, including himself, since it was his first ultra-distance race. Yanis Kuros combines his passion for running with being a caretaker at Tripolis Sports Stadium. He composes songs and music while he trains in the hills and plains of his native Arcadia. Who knows, two and a half thousand years ago, he might have been a military courier like Philippides. Kuros took the lead and didn't look back. When he reached a mountaintop above Arcadia, he shouted, Where are you, compatriots? He said his voice echoed off the mountains. Kuros said, quote, I eventually reached Sparta. I beat not only the Greeks, but the whole lot. The best runners and the world champions of ultra distances were competing. I won by nearly three hours ahead of the second runner. I arrived at 4.50 a.m. at the crack of dawn when everyone was fast asleep. I remember the mayor and the bishop had to get out of bed. The award-presenting girls had to get dressed in a hurry. 
He received international attention, and there were serious uncertainties in some people's minds if it was a legitimate win. Ultra-running pioneer Dan Brannan said, He is the only runner for whom an accusation of cheating eventually became an honor. Kuros returned the next year and ran even faster, finishing in 2025, which has stood as a course record through the present day. In total, he won Spartathon four times and has the four fastest times ever. To help today's ultra runner understand just how fast that was, his best time was nearly two hours faster than Scott Jurek's very impressive fastest Spartathon. Next, Kuros wanted to break world records. When I realized that I was good at ultra running and that a world record was something I could do, I had faith in writing history because records remain as a written testimony. When you break a world record, you inject into a portion of history of athletics what you have done. Kuro sought to go after a mystical record that had not been broken for nearly 100 years, the six-day record of 623 miles. This was set by George Littlewood in 1888 at Madison Square Garden in New York City. It was the oldest established running world record. Kuros went to New York City to compete in a six-day race held on a 400-meter track in a stadium at Randall's Island. Several of the world's greatest ultra runners were in the field of 31 runners. At the start, Kuros took off fast, reaching 9.5 miles in the first hour and then running a 2.42 first marathon, he opened up a quick lead. Modern day six day races were still new and the press was fascinated. One report stated, The runners carried on wearing an odd variety of pajamas, turbans, running caps, t-shirts, open toe sneakers, and even pedal pushers stuffed with ice cubes. After day one, it was reported, Shortly after noon, the mysterious and legendary Yanis Kouros of Tripoli, Greece, stepped gingerly off the track at Randall's Island and helped himself to a dish of boiled potatoes and a quart or two of water laced with honey and lemon. He also put his feet up for the first time in 24 hours. Kouros ran 102 miles on day two and 93 miles on day three. His 266 miles after 48 hours set a world record. After 72 hours, he had logged 359 miles, which shattered the known world record of 318 miles. He was 51 miles ahead of the second place runner. He shared more thoughts about his effort. I was running very fast, and because my toes were bleeding very much, many believed I would drop out. There I experienced how important the mental attitude is. I come to a point where my body is almost dead. My mind has to take leadership. During the race, an aid station volunteer overheard a spectator commenting that these people were weird. The volunteer replied, What weird people? I don't see any weird people going around that track. To be weird in this race is to be perfectly normal. In the end, Kuros shattered the all-time world record of 623 miles and went on to raise the record to a staggering 635 miles. After he finished, he said, I am very, very tired. 
I am really surprised that I broke the record. I didn't think it was humanly possible, and I doubted that the man ran that many miles such a long time ago. It was speculated that it would take another century for anyone to break the record again, but it would only take five months. After his world record performance in New York, Kuros had huge confidence in his ability to reach even greater ultra-running performances. He said, If conditions aren't too cold, I feel I can break any world record between 100 kilometers and maybe the 12-day race. Kuros was training about two hours each day on mountainous roads near Tripoli. He trained himself and had no coach because there was no one in Greece who coached ultra-distances. As he trained, he composed songs in his head and then would write down the music when he got home. More records fell a few months later on November 7th and 8th, 1984 at Sri Chinmoy 24-hour race held on a one-mile paved road loop in Flushing Meadows, New York at the former site of the New York World's Fair. Kuros led the field of 56 runners for the first 10 miles but was closely followed by George Gardner. Kuros hit the marathon mark at 2.48 and 50 miles in 5.27. Spectators were around the course cheering Kuros on, and he would smile and wave. His running was continuous, without walking. He only stopped to change into warmer clothes for the night. A fellow runner observed, It was fascinating to watch Kuros running by himself. Since we were on an enclosed mile loop, you were constantly aware that he was moving at an incredible pace, never appearing to slack off and totally within himself, never acknowledging anyone else. In late November 1984, the city of Colac, Australia established a new six-day track race around their memorial square, which was measured and certified at 400 meters per lap. It was the first six-day race in the Southern Hemisphere. 14 runners started. Kuros again dominated. But as the race was concluding, one of the most surprising things ever happened in an ultramarathon. There were about 5,000 spectators, including about 1,500 Greeks, cheering Kuros to break his own world record. But with only 200 meters to break the record, he stopped and went on strike. We're going on strike! We're going on strike! He refused to continue until his appearance fee of $5,000 was secure and $10,000 additional prize money would be paid as promised. According to his manager, it was a gesture of disgust at promises that had been rescinded. Kuros waited for 97 minutes until there was agreement, and then went on to extend his world record by just 360 meters. One news story said, His gracelessness took much of the shine off his efforts. In Australia, a famous Westfield-Sydney to Melbourne race was established from 1983 to 1991 with a distance of about 544 miles or so. In 1985, Kuros went to Australia to run the race for the first time. It was billed as the world's toughest ultra. It received intense media coverage in the country and brought out large spectator crowds. But Kuros's presence created more media and public interest than anyone could have imagined. Kuros took the lead at the start in the first few miles and left the other runners in his wake. He was never challenged after that. An article observed, 
Kuros can run like no other before him at such long distances. While the majority of ultramarathoners employ a shuffling gait, Yanis runs like a regular marathoner. He continued ahead at a seemingly mad and unendurable pace. During the first 24 hours, he ran without sleep or rest breaks, covering about 160 miles. It soon became a race against himself, and he moved further and further ahead of the main field. He was running ahead of his support van, which carried a Greek flag and blared bazooki music. Kuros said, Throughout the race, I would listen to epic songs. My tapes are either playing on the loudspeakers of the RV or on my personal stereo for my concentration. By the time he approached Melbourne, his race was a national front-page story on primetime TV news. Near the late stretches, he finally began to walk, wanting to be careful in order to break the course record. He was about 90 miles ahead of the next runner. He entered the crowded streets of Kohlberg, where Greek nationals greeted their Greek hero. For the last 40 kilometers, Kuros' countrymen lined the streets, waving Greek flags, throwing streamers, and covering him in flowers. It seemed as if the entire Greek community was converging on the finish area. As Kuros ran into the finish area, pandemonium reigned. No one could have anticipated the power-pushing enthusiasm of a mob of hero-worshipping Greeks. He finished in about five days, five hours, beating the course record by about ten hours. The crowd shouted, Kuros, 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 over and over again. After the victory ceremony and picking up his $20,000 check, his first request was for a warm bath and then plenty of cold orange juice. The second runner finished 24 hours after him. A columnist concluded his coverage of Kuros' race with, Thank you, Giannis Kuros, for showing us ordinary people what one extraordinary person can do. It leaves us no excuse for not trying. In September of 1985, Kuros returned to New York and again ran Sri Chinmoy 24-hour race. The weather was bad due to the storms from Hurricane Gloria. The city government pled for people to stay home. But the race was allowed to go on once appealing to higher authorities with promises that all would be fine. A race official reported, An hour before the start, the winds had picked up 30 to 40 mile per hour gusts, knocking over our tents for counting and flattening anything not tied down. We made decisions to have counters sit in dry cars near the start-finish area to count the laps. Tables were tied down with heavy construction blocks. Food and aid for runners and helpers were given out of a van. The runners gathered to the starting line dressed in raincoats. A steady rain was falling. The runners moved forward as the horn sounded. Wind gusts continued to increase. A TV man reported that the city was closed down. All the parks were closed. All events canceled. Except for this long race in Flushing Meadows, Guru Sri Chinmoy said, God will protect the runners. I sure hope so. At night, the streetlights didn't come on along the park roads. Several cars were positioned to use their headlights to light the course. Footing was bad, but Kuros continued to run circles around everyone. He reached 50 miles in 538 and 100 miles in 1159. In the end, he increased his 24-hour world record to 178 miles. 
Only 39 of the original 78 starters hung in there to the 24-hour finish. Kuros' dominance continued. In 1986, he run the Sri Chinmoy 100 in New York in 11 hours, 56 minutes, just 10 minutes off his road 100-mile world record. He ran the race with a fractured toe, which was still healing from a few months earlier. Kuros rarely held back, even when not feeling well. He said, I consider my races as exceptional chances which will not be repeated. You are never sure you can run again after a race as you could have sustained a serious injury. So you try to lessen the time on everything, on sleep, on changing clothes and eating. You do it on the move, not standing. Kuros had strong opinions on what was true ultra running. He believed that 50 kilometers and 100 kilometers, 6 hours and 12 hour races were not long enough to be called ultras that this category of races is meant for specialists. His definition for true ultras also did not include trail races or solo runs. The 100 mile distance also didn't meet his definition because he felt that the race must go beyond 24 hours as the runner has to face the whole spectrum of the daytime and the nighttime and be able to continue. In 1988, Kuros entered the 1000 mile world championship race in New York City. He was not able to train much in the months before because of a swollen Achilles tendon and a sore knee, but he gave it a try. He started the race at a slower pace than he usually ran in his races, with just a sub-8-minute mile pace. But he still reached 144 miles on the first day. He didn't get much sleep the second day because of all the noise at Flushing Meadows and the planes flying overhead, so he rented a camper. After six days, he had covered 639 miles. He was sick the eighth day and went only 69 miles, but went on to finish 1,000 miles in a world record of 10 days, 10 hours, a record still held to the present day. The federal government has time and again declared that it condemns South Africa's discriminate treatment of its people on grounds of race and color. In October 1988, Kuros was caught up in an anti-apartheid controversy of the time banning runners from racing in South Africa. Kuros went there to complete in the Stellenbosch 100-kilometer event. He claimed that he was not fully aware of the repercussions of competing in South Africa, but during a pre-race conference it became more apparent. He ran and was leading but pulled out of the race a few kilometers from the finish and sacrificed the $35,000 first prize money so his name would not be listed in the race results. His eligibility to run in other races was then challenged by those trying to enforce the ban. Anti-apartheid sports watchdogs pushed for Kuros to not be allowed to run in the 1989 Sydney to Melbourne event. Various organizations were pressed to rule on his eligibility. Eventually, in order to run in Sydney to Melbourne, in front of cameras with race organizers at his side, he signed the UN pledge denouncing South Africa's policies. The anti-apartheid movement declared that they would no longer push for Kuros to be ineligible to run in events. During this troubled period of time in 1989, Kuros lost his job he had held for nine years, accused of not producing enough work. His employer had the perception that he was focused more on his national profile from races and awards. He had not been paid for nine months. 
His dispute wasn't resolved, and the Prime Minister of Australia invited him to move there as an immigrant. He did move. In Australia, he worked at a sports shop as well as singing at a club and was given a house. Controversy continued to surround Kouros in 1991 when he announced that he would not run in Sydney to Melbourne race that year because the Westfield Corporation, the sponsoring company, refused to pay him about $83,000 in race appearance and expense money that he wanted. Kouros claimed that his 1991 participation would be well worth that amount given the $20 million of publicity that the race generated for Westfield. He said, Without me, the race will suffer. It can no longer be called the greatest ultramarathon. Kuros did not quietly leave the 1991 race alone. He essentially became what is called a bandit and still ran from Sydney to Melbourne but started 24 hours later. He claimed he was not shadowing the race. The race commented, quote, the guy is the greatest ultra runner of all time, and we'd have loved to have had him in the race as an official starter, but there was no way we could afford that amount of money. He's been great publicity for us with his rubble run. Kuros did finish his rubble run well ahead of the official field. The Westfield race did suffer without him. Westfield withdrew their support after the 1991 race, and it was no longer held after that. In 1991, Kuros took a break from running and turned to his music more, which became his main interest. He would spend 8 to 10 hours a day in his studio with keyboards and guitars, writing songs in Greek. Here is one of his songs. But he still ran. He would compose songs as he ran, taking inspiration from things that he saw. He said music in the mind is the best drug for a runner. Around 1994, Kuros became an Australian citizen and he started competing again, this time for Australia. As part of his comeback in 1996, he raced in a 48-hour championship at Chergère, France, on a 300-meter track. He went on to finish in a massive 294 miles for 48 hours, setting a world record that stands to the present day. 
Also that year at Coburg, Australia, he covered 182 miles in 24 hours for yet another world record. It was very impressive to see that after a few years off, he was able to come back and still be the best in the world. Kuros had a long standing goal to run 300k or 186 miles in 24 hours and was frustrated several times coming up short due to weather or injury. In late 1997, at the age of 41, he would try again. He ran at Sri Chinmoy 24 hours at Adelaide, Australia on a 400 meter track at the Olympic Sports Field. Kuros went for it, not holding back. He hit the marathon mark in 2:59, 100k in 7:15, 100 miles in 11:57, and 200k in 15:10, a new world record. He had a bad spell and his laps started to slow, so he stopped talking and was very focused. His crew continued to help, putting small pieces of food in his mouth as he passed each lap. When dawn arrived, He felt revived. He began shouting at his crew for more fuel. With two hours to go, he needed to run 11.1 more miles to reach his 300k goal. He made it. He reached 303.5 kilometers or 188.5 miles, a world record that would last through the ages. When he finished, he declared, I will run no more 24 hour races. This record will stand for centuries. At about 1997, Greece started negotiations for Koros' return to Greece. Agreement was made on some point so he could return. Through the work of his friends, he was offered a job as an officer at the Greek Air Force. He returned to his home country at the end of the year. By 2000, Koros had won 53 ultra marathons. That year, Runner's Magazine proclaimed him as the seventh best runner of the 20th century, but the best ultra runner of all time. In 2005, at the age of 49, Kuros sought to reach 1,000 kilometers again in six days on the track of Polak, Australia. He had reached 1,000 kilometers three times before on loop courses and also reached that distance unofficially during the 1989 Sydney to Melbourne race in a staggering five days, two hours, and 27 minutes. At Kolak, Kuros was successful again and raised the six day record to 644 miles. On the last day, two busloads of Greeks arrived from Melbourne to cheer their champion over the 1,000 kilometer mark. The crowd erupted when history was made. During that race, he set four world records and broke personal records that he had set 20 years earlier. He attributed his ability to do all this to staying active and creative and finding inspiration. I was able to meet Kuros in 2013 when he ran the 2013 sixth day across the year's race. His Greek crew was set up right next to my personal aid station, and I enjoyed watching them assist him during the race. They were intensely diligent, and Kuros was focused and demanding. He dueled for six days against Joe Fijis. Kuros covered 550 miles, but Fijis beat him with 555 miles. Kuros's crew was very upset about the loss, and that Fijis' strategy was to copy Kuros's pace and stay ahead. Kuros was not used to coming in second place. 
It appears that Kuros retired from ultra-running competitions at the age of 58 in 2014. His official website has not been updated since 2014, but he had a Facebook page that he updated until the end of 2018. Dan Brannon spoke of the secret behind Kuros' greatness. You won't find the secret to Kuros in either his ability or his training. His marathon best is only 2.24. He rarely takes a training run longer than 12 miles and is never over 80 miles per week. Like the Trinity, Pi, and Pyramid power, he is a classic mystery. And the best approach to take with a mystery is to stop trying to solve it and just believe. Kuros said, In ultra-running, there is no real limits. One can go on and on. I try to achieve something special in each race. I believe that more and more people will start with ultra-running, and I feel I belong to the pioneers now. What Fardipides did, going to Sparta just for a message, and bringing back a message to the Athenians, I'd like to think of myself as a messenger. I want to inspire to give the message that something is doable. Everything is possible as far as I am concerned as long as you go for it. If you enjoy the Ultra Running History Podcast, please go to iTunes and leave a 5-star rating and review. I read them all. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances.